Welcome to the Axis Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller and Marjorie DeHay with the Axis Effect. I'm super excited to bring back one of my favorite sports guests, Kevin Martinez, VP Corporate Citizenship. Hey, Kevin, how are you? I am wonderful. I hope you're doing well. That's so good. I was joking earlier that you're my January guest. It, it seems to be, <laughs> January seems to be good luck for us. Every time we chat with you, something exciting goes on. Always good to hear from you, Marjorie. Yeah, uh, it's always good to see you. We love chatting with you. And I think we covered all the important topics before of plants, weather, <laughs> and how Super Bowl keeps following me everywhere I go. But like, like this is January. And okay, one of the things I do want to talk about before we jump in to such great stuff with you guys, we talked to you last January, which we were in season six or so seven, I think six, seven, our last season. And you guys took home the humanitarian award, which is given to the company that focuses on changing lives in a city, a village, a community, affecting people by giving back with the Media Excellence Awards. So that was in our 14th year. And I was super excited when we chatted with you that when we, your podcast came out that, you know, it was like the board and the executive team decided ESPN citizenship has to be one of the humanitarian award recipients. And I was excited that you won that. And now you're back with us again in 2023 yes. for season eight. And I super like congratulations because you guys are the, or you're the winner or the recipient of the Golden Halo, which is the largest cause marketing. So I want to talk about that first because it is January and we have you on in January. And I feel like Marjorie and I may be good luck with the podcast because we talked to you and then boom, monster awards for such amazing work ESPN corporate citizenship is doing with sports for the good of communities. Humanitarian award last year, Golden Halo this year, like this is tremendous for you. Let's talk how great you guys are for a second. I'm so excited. You know, this is also, this is not an award you apply for. It's given by an independent jury. There's an amazing organization called Engage for Good, which kind of monitors and measures how companies can build their brand and be profitable and be also very much about social responsibility. You can do right and do well, right? You can do both. You don't have to just pick one. And so this organization kind of helps select You know, those that have spent time, we're winning the award for the last three or four years that we've been working on. So it's not just one thing. It's about our sustainable commitment. Yeah, It's also about our impact. Like we can demonstrate that we've made serious impact, uh, particularly with, you know, underrepresented communities over the last five, six years. Certainly the work we've done for raising millions and millions of dollars for the V Foundation for Cancer Research. We had our best year ever again. This is like the sixth time in a row. So, you know, those things uh, were humbled about it because it was exciting and it came, you know, right after the pandemic and we all needed a good lift from that. But it also is inspiring, right? Because we get to hear from our colleagues and others what's going on in this community, particularly in sports. And we know that sports is, you know, a catalyst for society. It helps us with social norms. It helps us uh, generate, you know, kindness and respect with each other and accountability. So very, very excited about that award. I think that's tremendous and a huge congratulations. And I've always, Liz, I've always loved having you on the show and chatting with like, you know, you and John Manzo off 
record and everything. It's just so tremendous because sports is huge for keeping communities together. And I know through the pandemic, it was hard not just for the teams. We talked to a lot of teams that were on the show for the fan, that fan base engagement. You know, we've also had NFL on a few times. And, you know, it was really about through the pandemic these players are rolling up their sleeves. They were just out there giving back and helping out. And I love that, like the overarching cause, giving back, helping others, leadership in sports is, yeah, the teams are great. The QB, the coaches, it's a team effort making that work. But true leadership starts from the top down. And I feel like ESPN citizenship is really the one leading because you're taking all of this passion and energy and everything that goes into being part of sports and a team and you're funneling it out greater yeah. good into the universe. And I just think the Golden Halo Award is so well deserved for you guys. Well thank you. Yeah, you know it, it's the the great thing about being a media organization is what we used to say years and years ago, when you have ink by the barrel, you can write a lot of good stuff, right? But now <laughs> if you look at our ability and technology and the platforms that we have, the multi-platform, whether it's linear or digital, you know, direct-to-consumer with ESPN+, Plus, the work that we can do must be integrated, right? So we need to take advantage of all those assets, but be systematic and thoughtful and strategic about them as opposed to just, you know, dropping things all over. Is when we create campaigns or programs is to have, you know, very linear thinking about how this is helping the business by telling stories, how this is creating outcomes that are really helping people that are measurable, how our investment portfolio works to make sure that we get the next round of investment with my, you know, CFO. So those things are really critical. And when you say thank you for saying that, you know, ESPN is best of class, but, you know, our partnership with the leagues is what helps us do these things, right? Our our broadcast rights with the NFL and NBA and, you know, Todd Jacobson and Kathy Barron's over at the NBA are, are some of the best class yeah. at CSR in the in the world. But their focus is, you know, is basketball and, and their athletes. And so for us, we have to move that and then go to the NFL and then whether it's F1 or golf and is to have those relationships to make sure we have common cause and shared values. You know, you do so much, Kevin, and just amazing things at ESPN. Can you talk about maybe one one of your programs that's really near and dear to your heart? I can. You know, I'm a man of a certain age, so I'm, I'm getting up there. I've been doing this for 30 years. And so we launched a program just Oh, well, we we soft launched it about two months ago, but we hard launched it at the college football playoff. And we've been working on it for two years. And I think I told, you know, listeners last time that we were working on something that I thought was going to be incredible. And I can say that it is, and we've launched it and it's becoming that. So about 10 years ago, we created a program called Shred Hate Choose Kindness, which was to help kids with bullying. And the reason we did it is we were working with the X Games and Major League Baseball And we know that, you know, the locker room can be a place of bullying. And we know that, you know, internationally bullying is an issue with particularly soccer. There's a conversation about how you use your power correctly. We wanted to carry that on. But, you know, as we went through the pandemic and some of the social injustice issues, we knew that it had to be bigger. And so our chairman, Jimmy Pataro, really challenged us and said, I would like for you to build this out and and build a construct that allows for this to be more than just around bullying, that is really helping kids. And at the same time, ABC, our our sister company, was doing something called Choose Just Choose Kindness. And so what we did is we worked together, came together. We decided to launch a new program called the Choose Kindness Project. And what that is basically is that it is about helping parents, teachers, coaches, and caring adults 
have the resources that they need to help kids create the futures that they imagine. So what it means is, is that we're trying to invest in those adults, particularly coaches for us, as you know, and caring adults, to make sure that they have the assets to do so in three major areas, which we have done a ton of research on. We just did some research with Ipsos, Harvard, and ABC News to 2,500 adults and 600 youth. And what came back was three things. Bullying prevention is still a really major issue out there as it relates to those that have power. And as you know, you carry that with you. It's a learned experience. You know, it it is racism is a learned experience, but it is bullying at its highest level. So, you know, sexual aggression is that as well. Right. And so how we take care of that. But letting kids understand what that means early on. So bullying prevention, we also had a decade of experience in it. The other thing that we did is we added intentional inclusion. We knew that one of the most important things was to get people to participate, to become part of your tribe, to become part of your team, to be feel as if they belong. So the word belonging comes up a lot. But this is also transactionally very positive. It's not just about inclusion. It's about being intentional. It's about really trying to test yourself, others, to make sure that you're bringing people with you. You don't walk by them. You don't leave them behind. And the third thing is, is something that we've always wanted to do, and now we have a pathway to get there is that we really wanted to talk about youth mental wellness, right? By doing that, those three things allow us to talk to those parents, teachers, coaches, and caring adults. And then what we did, we said, listen, uh, we're not the authorities here. And so here's the real beauty of this, is that we got 22 nonprofits to come together to create the Choose Kindness Alliance. And the names are names you know. They're GLAD, GLSEN, HRC, their NAACP, Hispanic Federation, There's organizations that work on sexual identity. There's organizations that work in racial identity. There's organizations that work as it relates to geographic and topical issues. So I like to use the example, if you are a self-identifying Black, let's just say cisgender or gay Black male dealing with issues of inclusion or bullying, we have a website. It is www.thechoosekindnessproject.com.org, either one. You put that in there and what will happen is all those organizations will now rise up and give you resources, give the parents resources on how to deal with that. The thing that we took away from the research that we did was that kids are getting bullied at a higher rate than ever before. The results are worse than ever before. Self-harm is one of the issues that we worry about. But 83% of parents said they needed teachers and caring adults and coaches to help them. So that's why we created this organization to help those. And then we funded a million dollars in grants to walk that walk. And so we've just finished our first round of grants. We just launched our website. We just launched a PSA with Cheryl Lee Ralph from Abbott Elementary. And it's fantastic. And we're just starting to see momentum. And the goal here is like, we're not going to be able to cure bullying or, you know, make everyone intent intentionally include, but we are going to bring it to them so that parents have the assets to be able to really focus on the future so their kids can really live that life that they want to live. I think that's tremendous what you guys are doing. And I love, because I know we talked about this a little bit last time as well. And, you know, when we talked to NFL, it, one of the big things that Carl Francis is always working on is education from the NFL communications and all that kind of stuff as well, because I do think there is, there is a lot of bullying. I do think, unfortunately, with the pandemic, kids were online more. It was easier. Social media, we talked about this the other day, the dangers of social media 
and how it's just out of control in general. But I, and I do feel because a lot of kids do want to get more into sports. They do want to get active, but there is a lot of gender identity issues being in sports. There is a lot of bullying, you know, on sports to kind of hold your own. And I just feel like there's got this, it's about the resources. I love that NFL has taken a huge step to offer more resources, regardless of where you are. I love that NBA is doing more than they used to. I mean, they, they needed to, they needed to step up. They were struggling on that until a few years ago they didn't really step in until COVID hit but like you guys are really like that flagship leading this yeah. university the bullying and I just feel like are you and, and this is I mean so beyond amazing this is it's hard to, this is why you have the golden halo let's be honest but <laughs> are you working with the individual leagues and the teams to help drive that because it's great what ESPN is doing at corporate citizenship like 100 percent. but it also has to start with the league partners, the league teams, because you got football, you got basketball, baseball, you got kids who are inspiring to be their next lead, your next center, your next QB, whatever. So I feel like the teams also have to stand behind ESPN's culture and causes as well, because it just it, it falls in the sports world of where all this starts and ends. And it's I think it's I'm not saying it's worse. And this, like, you know, the bullying on like grade school, high school football, but we know the impact and pressures that sports has, the influence, the impact of others. And I feel like individual teams and leagues also need to stand behind everything you're doing with this project right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a great question. It's a good positioning point, which is the good news is organizations like the NBA have actually, they're in front of us as it relates to youth mental wellness. They've been doing some programming with Kevin Love, the NBA player, who's really established, you know, being a leader about understanding that anxiety and things that you deal with as a sports, professional sports person or amateur are tools that you can use whether you're a sports person or not, right? How you deal with conflict resolution, how you deal with the anxiety of losing and winning or other things that you carry with you when you go on the field to play. So Kevin Love is actually one of our ambassadors and the NBA has been incredibly gracious about helping us learn more in that space. Because as I said early on, we're not the authorities here. Other organizations are. We want to empower them and give them resources. The other thing, as you may have known, but if you watch NFL, is as we were launching Choose Kindness, We did not know that actually the NFL was launching Choose Love, which was another program, and it was based off of the Buffalo shooting and the work that they did in social justice. So Anna Isaacson, who leads CSR at the NFL, and I have talked, and we're looking at how we bring things together. And I think the most important thing is, is, and this is where it gets kind of tricky, right? The mine, 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 you know, my brand, this, whatever, is if we start with purpose, if we start with shared values that we want to help young people particularly in sports, take those assets and either trade them out, be part of them, be the leader that we want young young athletes to be, or that they're part of a movement that allows for this to transact in and around them. You know, the bystander, the upstander and all that type of stuff is that if we all believe in that, then the, the shared values, the common denominator stuff is easy, right? And the good news is we have such great relationships with the league leaders in the CSR space that we we work together on these things. And so they don't need to take on the Choose Kindness Project, but we can all take on youth mental wellness, right? So that just gives us a platform. For me, you know, building a brand, if call it around it, allows me just to be able to kind of functionally place it somewhere at, in ESPN. 
and build assets and resources such that they can come back. The great news about this was we started this program and we got a phone call from the Walton Family Foundation who had heard about it. And they have now invested over $300,000 in the program, right? So, and that money goes directly to, actually in this case, we were launching at the college football playoff and it's going to go to Extra Yard for Teachers, which is the teacher component, right? Is they're going to build a teacher toolkit that allows for teachers to have greater dialogue and narrative to talk to parents about the issues that are happening with the children and intentional inclusion and bullying and also youth mental wellness. And so the goal is, is to really give them the assets because we know teachers are overworked. They don't have enough time. So we're being really smart about how we do that. But thanks to the Walton Family Foundation. That's amazing. I think just giving teachers tools because it is such a hard job. So you're talking about something you created two years ago. So if we look two years in the future, what are you working on now that we'll be able to talk about next year or the year after? <laughs> you mean next, you should be in next January when we have you back in up. The future. <laughs> we're just, we're wow. just preempting this. <laughs> well, what I'd love to do, to be honest a good with layup. You, it was a good layup, Marjorie. It is a great layup. As, as I, you know, as, as you asked me earlier on, Marjorie, like, what am I most proud of? This is the thing I'm most proud of. And if I get emotional, this is why. It's because when we first did this program, I think I may even shared this with you when we did Shred Hate, we worked with an organization called Crisis Text Hotline. And it works with analytics to measure young people's words as they call stuff in. And if there's an issue of self-harm or being harmed, it floats it up to counselors that can handle the level or degree of it. So the thing is, is we know we're going to help save kids' lives. It's that easy. Even if it's one kid that is dealing with constructive, destructive, whatever one might call it in their moment, and they have self-doubt, our goal is to help parents have conversations and teachers, et cetera, with them so that we can help them to get beyond and to move beyond. Things are moving so quickly that this year, our focus will be on cyberbullying with Choose Kindness. So I hope by next year, When we have a conversation, we're going to work with the Digital Wellness Lab out of Harvard University and Boston Children's to talk about how do we create a safe environment or a more safe environment for our youth, for our kids in this space? Because first of all, they don't call it cyberbullying. They call it many other things, right? Kids do. So we've got to find the vernacular that fits, but we've got to put it out there such that we know it's going to help. You know, we're going to work with Born This Way, with Lady Gaga's foundation and her her mother's foundation. You know, we'll work with Digital Wellness Lab. We're going to work with the UCLA school and storytelling to help us write that parents kit that this will be part of. And then hopefully in June, July, We'll have a couple corporations come along with us that we're going to bring us and bring some resourcing and maybe build this out to an even bigger thing. That's what that's my goal. <laughs> it's next. That's it's incredible. our next podcast topic. We're just preempting <laughs> that. I just and I love that you're doing this because I mean, you know, my little sister's a teacher and I know her struggles with kids. His parents just want to dump their kids on the teachers. They want to work. It's just easier. They have that perception. Just leave your kids at school for nine hours after care and all this stuff. And, you know, because I'm too busy. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're children. And I, she says she's a lot of teachers she's seen, or a lot of teachers, a lot of parents who, te- you know, their kids are at school doing longer days than people are working just because parents are busy. They want the after school care and all this stuff. And I know the struggles are being this isn't only, I mean, it's a teacher's job, but it's not like, hey, I'm going to dump my kid on you for nine hours. I have things to do. I'll pick him up at five or six o'clock and have him there since eight in the morning because these kids, that's where they're subjected to so many more 
emotional issues and stuff. And it is with the teachers. The teachers are trying to get the parents. Look, it starts at home. You have to understand we're here during the day, but it starts at home. And I know there's a lot of schools. I have some friends with little kids, not like big kids. And I love that their limit is if your kid's here for four hours max, we won't accept any after school. Your kids have to be home. They've got to work on mental health, everything physical. And so I know they're really changing. Teachers are trying to change how to have better kids because there's too many parents who just want to leave their kids 8, 9 a.m. drop off, think about five or six. And they're the kids. I mean, emotionally, it is what it is. So the parents can't go back and yell to teachers or place blame on the other students. You got to take that ownership. If I'm going to be a parent that's going to leave you at school for nine hours, four or five days a week, I've got to understand. I've got to take up and own my leadership as a parent because my kid is not going to be doing well. And I do love that. I saw this meme. I've, I was on Instagram. So I'm like, <laughs> Mental illness, just because everybody with mental illness is the same, having a smile on your face and moving and acting like everything's all good doesn't mean you're all good on the inside. And I saw a lot of good stuff. And we've had a few podcasts. I've talked to you know a few of my friends up in the NBA and NFL, and we don't talk about mental illness a lot because the sports industry, one, it's hard for little kids to understand or not little kids, high school kids, college kids, to really figure out that emotional, this isn't right. I should not be here for nine hours. I need this. And they can't really communicate that. But then if you take it up the ladder to these professional ball players who have the media on them, the cameras on them, they all have a smile. They all look amazing. But mental illness is so easy to mask on the inside. And I feel like we talk about so much. And if you're in the spotlight and you're, Tom Brady, who's super good looking, 20 billion Super Bowls. I mean, amazing. You know, obviously he's going through his divorce from Giselle, but you look at people who are have that on button all the time because they're constantly in the spotlight. And it's so hard to really understand what goes on behind that smile. And I know, and I can't speak for all the leagues. I just know NFL makes a big, big effort to make sure mental illness and mental wellness is so open and prevalent regardless. Um, and they talk about it openly with the players. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, 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 you know, if you look at athletes like Simone Biles or Michael Phelps, Kevin Love is an example, but also, you know, we just lost a, an amazing human being in Twitch from yeah. Ellen DeGeneres show, right? Happiest guy you'd ever seen on television and meeting and whatever, and was carrying some sort of construct that he masked so well. And that's what we're, we're worried about. I mean, obviously he was an adult, but that's the cover that young people have. And they've been told that that's what they need to do. Yeah, so, But people like him being an adult, that is the role model little kids see. And I feel like when you're a little kid and you are, you know, nine hours, you don't really have a good role model. You get into sports and they always say, get kids off the street, get them into basketball versus games, be in the sports. They're carrying a lot of that weight in the sports. They're still masking it. They're growing up. Some may go minor league, some may go major league. They're still carrying that weight of, being younger because that defining of the bullying, the um, depression, the mental based on how your parents don't understand. I mean, I can't, I don't have kids. So this is a hard thing to say. I don't think most parents understand when these kids are little, no matter how you push them into sports or entertainment, whatever, they're carrying a lot of mental and emotional baggage from spending nine, 10 hours a day in daycare when they're five, six years old, they're just growing up to accept that. But then when they get older, 
it just magnitudes and grows as an adult. And I think parents have to look sports teams, whether you, whatever it is, high school, they recruit you into college, recruit you into major, the mental and emotional stress and wellness doesn't just happen because I just made my first $20 contract and three cars and, oh, I fumbled a ball. It starts <laughs> earlier. And I think we do have to keep mental and emotional wellness in check at an early age because the pressure as we get older and the success and the sports, it's easier to hide it to where it's not a good outturn. And I think that there's a lot we could do at every level in sports. Yeah. To yeah. make sure people know they could get to that Olympic, that NFL, that Super Bowl without having to sacrifice and think a way that's not healthy and normal. No, I, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, bullying and inclusion are learned responses, right? They're, you're taught those. The other piece of this, too, is I think we just need to be careful. I mean, we can't be punitive, right? Because young people are still forming themselves. Yeah. And so what we've also learned through this mental wellness piece is that we've got to bring people with us. And when, when kids, young people make the wrong decision or make the wrong, take the wrong direction, it's because they've either seen it, they've lived it, you know, because of their parents or other things, or they've seen it on, you know, some sort of television or anything else. And so we, we need to make sure that we still form them. We don't give up on them, right? And I hope that that's what this will do in a really good way. You know, the one thing that to say, if anything good came from COVID, and you guys can agree or disagree, I feel like it gave everybody a pause to actually think about mental health, to really think like my mental health matters. Because you have kids and I have a, a son who's 11 now, but he went all like third grade, sec, part of second grade, almost two years at home, just learning on the computer. So it was like in front of the computer, that was what, so he didn't have that interaction. And I think you see a lot of kids at young ages that didn't have that like two years of interacting and learning social skills. So I love what you're doing because this is like, hey, you need to be aware. We all went through this like global trauma together. And what you're doing, I think is just fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And you've hit the why this is so important right now, right? Is that they lost two years. We lost two years, but we're adults and we learned how to manage it. And we kept our paychecks coming in, everything else, right? But kids lost their friendships. They lost years. They lost high school graduation. They lost all this stuff. And we really need to invest back in them to make sure that we've allowed for them to see the future that they imagine, right? That's the course, right? Yeah. And taking away those barriers, I think will help. So couldn't be more excited about that. I think it's tough because we don't want to say kids are intelligently two years behind. I do think that two years of any level with the younger kids, you are going to have a little bit of a learning curve. Most parents had to keep their kids in school. I think you had a little sister, you had to keep them logged on and you had to keep them in front of you. And there's all these stories. But at the end of the day, you still lost a good part because a lot of parents just, yeah, just get it done. We'll log off early, log on. We can't get the internet. I just think there is a, big maturity, emotional intelligence level that unfortunately everybody lost that we do. You guys do have to go back and ensure that. But my question is, if you look at some of these sports grades, these sports heroes, every sport we have, we all have our heroes. We all have people, our favorite players. And, you know, from coaches, the CEOs on down, the issue is, and I had to deal with this in the music scene a lot, where you have all these like LL Cool J, these rappers, you know, they're partying, they're doing drugs. They're out partying and these little kids grow up in high school, college, they can do it. I want to be like him. So I'm going to eat fried food. I'm going to drink. I'm going to look like, again, I'm going to do all this stuff. So I see, I used to see a level of a lot of these artists. 
when, you know, when we had AG for five years, start health, health. We're not eating cheeseburgers. We're eating healthy stuff. They started taking a big stand. We had, um, World Star was a client of ours for a good two years. So we made a big issue with Q at that point to really start changing that perception of what that role model should be. So I can speak from the music side because I had to like deal with all that. But from the sports side, are we looking at, you know, people still make mistakes. You know, unfortunately, we still see what's going on in the news, you know, with accidents and unfortunately abuse of from hockey to NBA to NFL, you know, for special abuse, doing drugs, drinking and driving. I feel like we focus on everything you're doing, which is amazing. But I feel like, is there anything being done to target professional players that they have to understand that everything they do and say does impact kids who look up to them, who worship them. And the reason why is because way back when, when I started my age, I started getting into PR. I worked with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I know Jerry at the time, Clanjo made an issue. No more, no more chewing, no more tobacco. He had a uh, bubble yum. I forgot Wrigley's bubble gum. Do billions of dollars. You could chew as much bubble gum as you want. I don't care if it gets on the ball in your glove but you're chewing bubble gum, no more spitting and chewing tobacco. And I forgot that one huge picture, the really super tall guy, a something I forgot, who was constantly cursing, super crazy manic on the field. And I forgot the guy's name. He was um key pitcher for um, the D-backs for a long time. And there was a big, hard thing on the PR side with us. You cannot act that way because you're American sports, you're baseball. And so there was a big issue that tobacco cigarettes wasn't allowed but we will spend billions giving you bubble gum and milk because <laughs> you are a, you're there because people look up to you. People kind of, they mimic you. They want to be you. And so I feel like this has to start as an adult on the professional side from the team to the players on the field. You, you got to kind of top down, bottom up. So ensure that middle level is actually tight, sustainable, and yeah. people are healthy. I mean, did you yeah. guys work with that on that side or? No, so we don't. And here's why we don't. So we don't work directly with athletes. Yeah. We work with the leagues, right? The players associations have deals and contracts with their leagues that really have done some extraordinarily amazing work to make sure that they're doing exactly what you're saying, Sarah, which is to make sure that they are presented a positive image. And then they can live that positive image. And I think we're starting to see that more with some of our younger yeah. players in all sports. You're starting to see them to be about things that are purposefully good, that, you know, their families, et cetera. But it's not like the old days when, you know, probably you and I started, the conversation wasn't about like, go read a book to a kid and that's your community <laughs> service. Now it's about, oh, you know, LeBron James has started a charter school that talks about literacy and leadership. And it's the whole system of things, Right. So we're seeing that, and I think a wonderful proliferation of that. In part, that's in part relationship with the players associations and their leagues. You know, wherever possible, we try to help tell those stories through the sports humanitarian awards and other things that we do. But it really is incumbent that they feel empowered to do that as well. I mean, you know, we forget that the average, you know, football, NFL football career is two and a half, three years max, right? With an exception so of Margie's favorite player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's not my favorite player, but anyway. That's okay. Yeah, we, we can have that discussion all day long. <laughs> I'm in awe of him, but not my favorite player. Um, Who's your favorite player? I'm a Russell Wilson fan. Mm -hmm. I am. 
I really I'm, like- I'm a Manning girl. I just, I don't care. I just love the Mannings for some oh, reason. They are really true. You know why? This is so stupid to say. I love Tom Brady. So talented. Amazing. But this is good. You're going to laugh. I'm just going to say. <laughs> but I see Tom Brady. I have fun for a bit. A man to me, that's a, like, personally, that'd be somebody you marry, have kids with. Like, I just love everything about the Mannings, their culture, their family values, everything about these brothers on and off the field that I've seen and stuff is just to me, like, that is true, American. These are good guys doing good. They're not sucked into all the prettiness of football and sports. I just, I, I'm just a huge Manning fan. And then who are the other five brothers who play football? He's on so many commercials, Gronk. Oh, yeah, Gronk. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just think it's great that they're experiencing their life now, but also that they do give back, right? They've taken yeah. that beautiful blessing that they've received, their physical blessing and otherwise, and they've moved it into other wonderful things. So I look forward to see what Mr. Brady does in that area. But I know my my man, Russell Wilson, is doing some really great stuff yeah. with Sierra and his wife. I think they all, I think you get to a certain level in sports and leadership. We talk sports leadership, where you can't be walking around with the fame, the money, the power, and not be a good person and understand you could be helping others. You could be giving back. You could put your money to, you don't, you know, I see it this way. If I'm making, okay, I don't want to say 20, 180 million, whatever season, I, I'm not going to miss 20, 30. I mean, you can only have so much money without realizing that I'm not going to miss this. I need to do better. I need to get back. I got fans in the public looking at me. I just feel like some of these guys are using their fame and status for such good these days. Yeah. And that's what I love seeing about any of these guys. It doesn't matter who yeah. it is. My favorite on the field and teams, take that away. It's you, you really are seeing more and more people, uh, big sports leaders step into once they get off the field, off the court, they're stepping into giving back and doing good. And I think that's what's and the most important tool about sports leadership, learning yeah. how to do that off the field when the cameras are turned off. Yeah, there's a great organization which Julie Foudy turned me on to and we now support called Athletes for Hope. And it's college and university students. And so it's, you know, really D3 to D1. And, you know, it's all these students that are athletes that are engaged in knowing that part of their path is the social consciousness and moving things forward for whatever beliefs that they have, right? And I think that's pretty darn cool. And we started work a lot with them. And so it's great. It's great. Hey, I wanted to also tell you, you know, you, you had brought this up as it relates to athletes and things. But last time I talked to you, you know, I promised that we were going to do something and I wanted to let you know we have. <laughs> so we were going to, you know, rethink our investment of our corporate giving because yeah. we, we really wanted to make sure that through this whole pandemic and through the social injustice, that there was, you know, a consciousness about making sure that those that were most vulnerable that were impacted on this. And when you are both underserved and underrepresented, it's multipliers, it's exponential, right? So black and brown communities really got incredibly hit hard. And as we all know, 70% of professional athletes are brown and black people of color. And so what we decided to do was to refocus our corporate giving and take 60% of our access to sport and invest it back into that area, but specifically to help black and brown communities. And we've done some amazing work. Angela Woods on my team has done some great builds and uh, working with uh, Love Football uh, in Chicago 
and you know making sure that those young people have access and then not only access that there's programming there's safety and and security in that so we have hit that more than 60% so i'm just wanted to tell you that because i promised you i would and i think we've couched it under a program called the return to play fund and so we've challenged other organizations to put money in and to focus that so we could at least tell the world that our investments, what we said we were going to do, we did. And so I'm real excited about, uh, there's an organization called Beyond Sport, which was created during the 2012 Olympics. They're helping to lead this effort in the US and it created a panel of thought leaders that said, what's the best way to invest in black and brown communities? Because you know I've got six people on my team, we just can't keep up with stuff. So that investment portfolio has helped develop by thought leaders who are actually on the ground helping those young people. So just wanted to share that with you. That's amazing. We uh, love people who keep their word. So, <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking forward to what happens in January of next uh, year. Yeah. I know. I'm going to have to pull something out of the pocket. Yeah. Right, I have a quick question for you. From somebody I know, and you know, just being in sports and stuff. So it was fun. We had this podcast like a few seasons back. And we're talking about sports and education with kids and stuff. And I, I kind of made my own STEM term up, sports, technology, entertainment, media, which I know is not what STEM means, but I like my version of sports, tech, entertainment, and media. I just can go with that. And, and I think it's a big organization. It's basically here in Phoenix. I think they're growing, but they're doing a STEM program and they're combining education with sports on all of this stuff. You know, I haven't talked to this guy in a while and Jeff, but, you know, I think he's doing well, but he was, his big goal was to really open STEM schools, open STEM programs, go into schools with the program, the curriculum to really teach these kids how to connect sports and the love of sports and learn sports with the STEM programs. I'm just kind of curious, are you guys working in that area? How do you feel about bringing sports curriculum into the STEM so the kids are learning very distinct skill sets at higher level, but how to apply it towards sports to be you know, better athletes or yeah. to actually help apply that leadership into sports? I, I don't, I'm not, I guess somebody we should probably have back on and talk to, but um, it's just these programs and these just pushing them into it in grade school, high school for the teachers, sports programs. If you, yeah. I mean, is that something that you think is a positive, a negative, a distraction? Or, I mean, what are your thoughts on stuff like no, that? No, I, I don't think it's a distraction at all. In fact, there's we actually used to have a, two programs called Sports Science and Sports Figures. And my predecessor, Rosa Gaddy, put together like some amazing athletes that talked about like, you know, when you hit a ball a certain way, what's the curve and what's the force of action? What's the physics of it? You know, depending on what grade you're in. And, it, you know, it works really well. I, I think one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, it has to be in combination with things, right? You know, because otherwise it seems like a one-off. And so you've got to make sure that the curricula fits all of it. The Walt Disney Company, which we are part of, has done some extraordinarily great work and what we call future storytellers. And that's a really broad category, but it's really to help invest in those future storytellers in ways that bring them back into the industry as well in the entertainment industry. So journalism, science, you know, because I mean, you know, if you haven't seen an avatar or you know, way of water, go see it because the math and analytics and, you know, the computer generation to build that movie requires incredibly smarter than I, the people who deal with those algorithms and write them up in computer science, et cetera. So what we always tell people is remember you can play on the field or you can coach from the sidelines. But remember, there are 
thousands of people behind that, whether it's who, people who own the stadiums, who build the stadiums, who, you know, fund, you know, the PT for people, you know, all are, are do the PT for people. There's all these other jobs and we need to be inclusive about what that. So I do agree. There's a term that they use that's similar to yours called STEAM, which is engineering arts and technology. And that arts piece falls into where I think the you're talking yeah, I'm very sports tech entertainment and media. I know, I know. Um, I, know. I, just, I, just, I just, that's like my world. So I'm just going to play my role in PR. Today. I'm just really careful because we, we always, we're always conscious is that we don't want it to be math versus PE, right? We want it to be both. <laughs> but, 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 most, but a lot of sports does take math and science. I mean, that's a question. Like from a parent standpoint, Marjorie, like with Raker, like, would you put him in a STEM program if we're related to like, whether it's soccer or sports, you think he would like, or he wanted, or if he was not into sports, but like he was his math, would you kind of introduce him to that? I mean, not force him, but I, I know it's like from what, I don't forget the age group on STEM. I think it's like what, eighth grade through like ninth or 10th grade. But like, if you had that program, would you opt in or opt out for that? Regardless if your child was sports driven or not, just to apply science and math towards everyday activities? Well, I think sports is a lot of science. It is a lot of math. It's angles. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do every time. So, yeah, I mean, like my son really likes tennis. And that's, again, all about math. So I think it's important if people understand the math behind the sports, it just makes a better player because they understand the physics, they understand the geometry, they understand the math. So I I think you'd like that. Is Is there a math and science to golf? Because I have to go to the Phoenix Open, and I really just think it's a boring <laughs> game in general. When you just hit the ball to go chase it to hit it away from you again, I just feel like there's not a lot of smart math in that. Oh, there's <laughs> a lot of math. I know. Yeah, yeah, it's a boring game. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, Kevin. I know we got oh my God, we have Phoenix Open, we got Super Bowl, so much going on. Are you planning on attending to be here? Super. I know ESPN is going to take over and do the whole ESPN zone for music and a bunch of activities. They have a whole street in Scottsdale. They have lockdown. I mean, for ESPN for this mm-hmm. ESPN street. Are you guys going to be here or? Well, I'm planning on it. I usually bring two champions that have helped us. So, you know, someone maybe has helped us with our Choose Kindness project and then someone maybe who's helped us with Special Olympics. And so or the V Foundation. So I pr- try to bring a guest who's done some really amazing things in those and also just to give them that extra experience. So I plan on being there. So hopefully that'll be approved. <laughs> ah, that means I get to see you soon. You get yeah. thaw out, you yeah. get thaw out down, or not thaw out. It's so cold here. It was so good. Okay, so I honestly like so love. I always look forward to having you on. Like, it's so excited to come on this show. You've done such tremendous work. Again, like the golden halo, like every day you should have a golden halo on your head. You do such good (laughs) stuff. Give us a website where people could go for more on ESPN citizenship. I know it's kind of a buried within ESPN's world. It's ESPN.com backslash citizenship. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that that'll take you there. But I really want people to go to that www.thechoosekindnessproject.org. Choosekindnessproject.org. I really want people to see. Okay, so choosekindnessproject.org. The choosekindnessproject.org. It's a lot, but it's what we had to get. (laughs) (laughs) No, so that's so important. It was so good having you on. Hopefully I'll see you in a few weeks at Super Bowl. You'll keep us posted. We will have another 11 months 
of topics before January to catch up with you. But it was so good having you on the show again. Thank you so much. And Marjorie, thank you as well. I, I just love talking to you guys. I love your spirit. I love your knowledge. And I love how you make sure that sports is part of this commitment to making sure we have civil society and good people doing good things. Yeah, that was awesome. So until we catch up with you again soon, Kevin, this is Sarah Miller, Marjorie DeHay with The Axis Effect, Kevin Martinez, ESPN, and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Axis Effect Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to The Axis Effect Podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.